Hello. May the hand of Muadib smile upon you, friend. Muadib, welcome. How are you, sir? Good. Thanks for joining me. Of course. Uh, let's get right into it because we're obviously gonna we're gonna spoil it for ourselves. So we're here. We're talking about Dune. This is an emergency Dune podcast, and the catalyst for this is not just the trailer that came out, but to my surprise, and I think probably your surprise, the McFarlane uh, toy pictures came out. Yes, I didn't see that. You sent that to me. Was it yesterday or earlier today? That was earlier today. I know these these yeah. days tend to feel like a couple weeks. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's been strange. Um, but yeah, no, I was I was very surprised um, and pleasantly so. I think they look really really solid. Um, it, it's hard not to be a little bummed that it's 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 all just kind of one body type, you know. Um, yeah, potentially. It looks like there's some part reuse there. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, if now McFarland for me, you know, look, we love Todd, friend of the pod, Todd. Um, Todd the pod, yes, sir. Uh, if these figures are like the um, the Keanu Reeves figure he just did for Cyberpunk, then we're golden because that is truly one of the best figures McFarland has ever made. It is like the there's a sort of soft rubber chest piece that really does the job well. Sometimes that can be a disastrous design choice. Sure. But if it's on par with that, these are going to be really great figures. And I would say, you know, if they're more like the Fortnite figures, of which I've only picked up one and maybe I just got a bad batch or something, mm-hmm. not a great figure experience. Mm-hmm. All, all the hall- hallmarks of things that tend to go wrong with the you know the poor McFarlane figures are alive and well on that figure that I picked up, but you know within the span of a month, having that Fortnite figure and then getting the Keanu Reeves figure, um, or is I Dennis Lixon figure, I guess. Yeah, right. <laughs> as we try to tell ourselves it is. Yeah, <laughs> um, big big chasm, you know. And my hope is that these are more like that uh, Johnny Silverhand figure. And if they are, yeah, I mean, I haven't, it's been a while since I picked up a McFarlane figure. Um, the most exposure I've had is, you know, I backed the Kickstarter as did you, I believe for the the Spawn anniversary figure. And I've been following that really closely because those look phenomenal. Like, and you know, that is a huge nostalgia bomb for me anyway. Yeah. Um, But just seeing him go through the engineering of the figure and the Cape and some of the weapons and stuff has been really fun to see. And he, he seems like a guy who's kind of at the top of his game on this stuff. So I'm, I'm I'm optimistic for the Dune figures to be sure. Yeah, and you know we gotta we gotta figure out who's selling a case of these, right? Maybe we we gotta split a case. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the move. I don't think I don't think there's any that I really want to miss out on in that line, which is exciting because I don't remember the last time there was a line like that. You know, I mean, Marvel yeah. Legend waves of late have kind of been like a one-off. You know, I'll pick one, sure. pick up one or two here or there. Um, sure, sure. The GI Joe classified stuff has been like eh, okay, it's cool, but. Yeah. The little ones are, you know, just reissues of stuff I already own from 15 right. years ago. So, um, yeah, it's really exciting to see something, you know, pop up so unexpectedly, too. Um, Do you own something from 15 years ago? Well, my friends, go to This Toy Life. That's right. <laughs> this, this Today's episode is sponsored by This Toy Life in Hampton, Connecticut? Milford, Connecticut? Uh, Wallingford, Connecticut. Wallingford, Connecticut. Thank you. And he's uh, um, only four days away from the, the grand opening, too. That's what no. I'm for him. Yeah. I am excited. I don't, I, you know, I, we went to the first outdoor dining experience um, two days ago. 
Oh. And I very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, even though it's outdoors and all the waiters have face masks on and everything else, it just I, I'm too I'm I'm far too high of an anxiety person to just like chill out in those situations. Yep. So I, yep. I I think it's gonna be a while for me until I can like reintegrate into society we'll see yeah i I had the same issue last weekend you know my favorite local comic book shop uh had a like 40th anniversary sale and they were doing a whole outdoor you know dollar Mm -hmm. bins under tents and they were gonna you know enforce masks and distancing and i tried to psych myself up for it and i just i couldn't do it it was just it didn't seem like uh you know i've 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 spent a lot of time digging through comic book boxes and i I don't see that being something you could adequately you know space people out like You'll have three people breathing over your neck trying to get to that run of Spider-Man or something. So, yeah, it's just been a, a, a tough time to get psyched up for something, which kind of segues into, you know, what are your thoughts on on the movie coming out potentially in December? Like, that's a movie I want to see on the big screen, and I don't know if if I'd be comfortable going to a movie theater at this point. Well, uh, I was going to use our segue as, you know, who else wears masks? The Fremen. Uh, <laughs> that's a good one, too. Um, wasted, wasted it. Look, I really want to fucking see Tenet. I'm not going to a movie theater. I, yeah, I, you yeah. know, I absolutely want to see Dune on the big screen. Um, I, I doubt I'm gonna. I, I doubt I'm gonna go in December. But I know, I know, I, it's heartbreaking because I, mean, I, I, I can live without seeing Tenet in the theater. I can live without seeing like Wonder Woman or Black Widow or any of the other like yeah. big tentpole, uh, you know, genre movies that'll come out this year, but. Dune, man. I mean, we've been looking forward to this for a very long time. Um, uh... Here, I have this theory, though, right? Because Tenet's box office is now public record. And Warner Brothers is apparently trying to scrub some of this information or is not, you know, they're hiding the box office results or there's some. I just read a headline. I don't, I didn't dig into that. Um, I think that they have proven that they're they have to develop a different strategy and i understand the importance of theatrical runs because that is your a money you will never Mm -hmm. make as much money as you will during the theatrical run vod and home streaming and dvd release those are tiny in comparison to how much you make in your theatrical run Mm -hmm. so i i understand that they held you know an a plus blockbuster this is our canary in the coal mine it didn't do well in the U.S. I mean, they'll make their money internationally, but um, I, I do think that the reality for these movie studios is probably pretty clear. If Christopher Nolan and Robert Pattinson can't carry, you know, the the sort of weekend opening, then they have to rethink this. And as I said, I think I was talking to most of them, I'm like, why aren't they doing like $30 stream at home Plus, you you get you know a fucking loot crate in the mail with a t-shirt and whatever else you know like there's yeah I mean I, I agree they have to do something I mean God only knows yeah. if, you know trying to bring loot crate back from the <laughs> death is, is, the, is the right answer to poor that. example uh, poor example <laughs> um, but I do think there's you know maybe there's something where when you 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 buy it for the video on demand, you get some sort of a voucher that gets you a deal when they eventually do release it in a more widespread format um, in cinemas. Cause I have to think they're going to go back to releasing these movies when things clear up a bit, you know, like, I don't think they can just be okay with, well, Tenet was a bust. Yeah. Be yeah. Good. No, we'll get them next time, Chris. That, you know, like, that's a really good point. And also like, 
I don't know how it is where you are, but the drive-ins are booming over here. They they put up a makeshift drive-in at a summer camp that's closed. Oh, okay. And then a little further north, there's two drive-ins that have actually been around since, you know, the, the 70s. Mm-hmm. And they they run every summer. And they've been doing gangbuster business. And, and we go to all of them. And I, I understand the studios have, you know, they've held Tenet from doing drive-ins because it's – they feel it's easy to bootleg at that point, but all the full frontal nudity, you can't really control yeah. do that, you know, stuff. But I, you know, I think that drive-ins had a potential to, to kind of be a part of this. And now as we get into the fall and into the winter, obviously, you know, the opportunity is less. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that'll be more of a problem up there, which, you know, we, we've got some more months down here for that, but yeah, um, uh, North Carolina to anyone who's not familiar. Um, Right. But I haven't seen, I, you know, I, I'm not out in the world that much to know if there's a, a driving situation. And to be honest, there hasn't been a movie that I've like, I think Tenet will be cool, but I have no problem watching that movie on my TV at home, you know? Sure. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the Dune thing, I mean, I, if that's the only option come December, I, I, I don't know that it'll still be warm enough here that we could get away with a drive-in. Um, yeah. But well, I'll tell you what, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do Bobby Axelrod from the show Billions on Showtime. We're going to sure. get a charter, a private jet. Your most ironic movies. viewing choice, given your politics. But. It truly, well, <laughs> it, I mean, it's about financial crime. So it's it's sort of like a Trojan horse sure. in that they're, they're, there's like no good people in the show. You know, they're all really, really deplorable. You whether it's that in succession, maybe some. Yeah, succession is a, a good example some white too. Collar. <laughs> yeah, um, and uh, bird notice. No. <laughs> anyway, um, look. Let's talk while we're on movies. Let's talk about the trailer. I don't know if you listen to my diatribe on Destazapod. I can't imagine you do because we talk pretty frequently you don't right yeah just as a positive just sort of like longer versions of our conversations so (laughs) i've not i've not i used to listen to them a lot more i haven't i've fallen off on all my podcasts listening lately um yeah and i I blame the call of duty battle pass for that i've been playing the living shit out of call of duty good on you by the way i'm eager to get back in the chopper if you know what that was (laughs) 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 just the jesse to stacy award zone sky tours honestly Every time we died, it was because we we were in a vehicle. <laughs> I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent on this Warzone thing, yeah. but I noticed something the last time I was playing, and it kind of blew my mind, and you probably already know this, and I'm probably the last person on Earth to figure this out, but there are, like, in Verdansk, in the actual map, there are yeah. all of the multiplayer maps from Call of Duty. Um, so, I, like I recognize a tiny like the, bit the, of that. The, 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 the planes from Modern Warfare 2, right. that map is in there. The right. vacant, the warehouse for Modern Warfare 2, that's in there. It's right over by the port. It's insane. Oh. I didn't know any of that. And I just, I, I found myself like running out of a building. I was like, I know this building. Why do I know this? Oh, because I played it a thousand times in Modern Warfare 2. Holy shit. I picked up on, on the, the sort of graveyard part, but I didn't, I didn't realize that there were other portions of the map. And also, um, I only go to Dam, as you know. Right. That's <laughs> yeah. the There's not a I'm helicopter not there. You want no part of it. Yeah. But anyway, back um, to, the, to the Dune trailer. Right. So um, why don't you go first? You give me your first impressions and then I will uh, flambe all of your comments. Yes. Yeah. No, I was very excited by it. Um, the only thing I didn't like was, was the music. Um, I yeah. don't care for the, the putting of like 
I, I, I know most people don't consider Pink Floyd to be modern, but like just right. contemporary music in movie trailers doesn't always work for me, and especially not in this instance. Sure. Um, now there, the is visuals... a, there is a there's a piece of significance on that, uh, as pointed out by Michael oh, Chabot. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Pink Floyd was supposed to do the music for the, the... for the Yordovsky, yeah. Which Jordan. we'll yes, we'll talk thank you for pronouncing that for me. We'll we'll talk a little Yordovsky towards the end of this episode. And by the way, has uh, Michael Chabon is regarded as one of you know the century's greatest writers. Has he written anything good? He did John Carter, Man of Mars, and P Star Trek Picard, and I hate both of those things. I've not seen either of those things, so I can't I can't speak to them. But I've I, I, I've not heard good things about either of them. So anyway, yeah. Michael Chabon, reach out. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Moving on, but you know the, the the visuals of the trailer. I know you didn't seem as hot on them, but I I liked it a lot. But I love yeah. uh, this director's kind of art style, absolutely in general. Um, everything you know, going back to like Enemy and some of the weird, creepy visuals of that movie. Um, what, so, what, what was the one with Jake Gyllenhaal where he's two people? Was that Enemy? That's, that's Enemy. Yeah, that's the one I was. Yes, about. just uh, recently watched that. Really fucking good movie. Great movie, yeah. I really, really enjoy that. And it's it's a it's a tight ninety minutes. If you got something, yep. you know, you just want to watch something quick. It's a it's a great little film. Um, but yeah, I mean, all of that stuff. You know, my biggest concerns going into it, I, I'd never seen this uh, Timothy Chalamet kid in a uh, Timothy Chalamet. I call him Timmy Chimmel, just because that's easier for me to say. Um, and Jason Momoa, who I've kind of made mention in the past, I think is like right. the male version of Megan Fox. Like he doesn't really bring totally. a lot of weight to movies, totally. but you know, he's passable and people like to look at them and that's cool. Um, but he actually, he, he seemed like a lot of fun in the movie. And I, I kind of like that take on Duncan Idaho. Um, I'm not yet a hundred percent convinced about how I feel about the, uh, the armor suits, like the electric armor suits. Um, yeah, hoping we get to see more of that. That seems like a little bit of like a. I don't feel like doing this, so we're just going to kind of make them shiny, right? Um, obviously, it's not going to go back to like them in the big like X Men Nimrod, you know, box suit. Um, it, it, I, I actually, you know, I I say one point to Lynch's adaptation because the the sort of uh, shields in this one, like they're competent. It's like mm -hmm. a competent design choice. It it makes sense. It's in keeping with like modern, you know, costuming and and uh, visual design. Yeah. But it's not particularly exciting or a, an interesting take on it. And actually, I thought like, why not jettison the shield thing altogether? Because it doesn't come into play once you're on Arrakis. Right. I mean, I'm I'm holding my criticism until we. I'm hoping that that scene develops to where we'll see yeah. the actual like how you you know how you would permeate that shield, and then mm -hmm. we get a better look at how that works. Um, right. When that comes in, and maybe they will develop it more. I mean, I don't. Do we know yet how many movies they're deciding to break this into? It it is two movies, but they're likely not going to move forward with production until the box office is in on the first movie. That's and I got to be honest, if you're Warner's right now. I think it's a Warner Brothers film, right? Um, I think so, yeah. You're probably saying uh, film two may not happen, right? Because yeah, yeah. what is going to be the likely return on this movie if it's still a pandemic situation? You know, the kids but, call it Bupkis. Yeah. Um, I, I did want to point out one thing, though, and this kind of goes back to toys a little bit. Um, it seems like they're keeping a very tight lid on the Harkonnens and their look. Um, and 
this is kind of reverberated in McFarlane because you would think they're going to make a Raban figure. They're going to make a Baron Hartonen figure. So I think that there's some sort of embargo in the marketing where they're giving us a little peek at Raban, but um, they're, they're, you know, we're probably not going to see fade until the movie. Uh, Do you think that that's something I really wanted to ask you. Do you think we're going to see fade in this movie or do you think they're holding off on him for a potential second movie? Uh, they're definitely. I, I mean, I believe the actor is cast. Um, it wasn't nothing in IMDb because I scoured that. Oh, really? Um, I I think that they're what they're going to do is Raban is is the sort of active antagonist of the film. Obviously, Baron Harkonnen, but Raban will be this where the you know he has the most scenes and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then Fade will probably be alluded to, and then the second film will be it's sizing up fade versus paul which makes sense yeah yeah Yeah, that's Um, why i didn't know if we'd even get an actual you know casting of him in this first movie or if he would just like you said be alluded to be mentioned by raban and raban would kind of you know maybe something happens to raban and then you know well we've got to bring fade in that kind of thing yeah totally um but i i i suspect you know this is a pretty easy guess but there there are likely additional McFarlane figures that we're just not seeing yet. And if that's the oh, case, then we're looking at what a six to eight figure assortment. That's, that's a, a pretty great effort. Yeah. I mean, if, if we can, if we can assume that that is wave one and there would have to be a wave, because I mean, I don't know you, that you sign that deal if you can't do the yeah. Dave Batista Raban figure, you know? Yeah. Um, that's, that's your, that, that seems like the one that would fly off the shelves. Whereas, you know, the lady Jessica in the in the the still suit, uh, you know, I don't know that anybody's going to notice for that. Yeah. Um, uh, so, what did you think of what I believe to be the Sardar car? I'm assuming those are the guys in the white armor that, that are sort of floating down. Around. Yeah. Yeah, definitely way different from the Lynch version. Um, yes, better than the Lynch version, but I I think inferior to Mobius's Sardar car design in the you know. The Yardovsky film. Yeah, I mean, who knows how that would have turned out practically? You know, like sure. Mobius can make anything look fucking rad. Um, yeah, and then it's on you know some talented costume or somewhere to try to make that happen. So uh, there, however, there is a photo of the costume. Oh, really? There's, there's a photo of uh, Yardovsky and the the financier, the French guy. I don't remember his name, and somebody in the literal Mobius costume with his arms around them, and it looks fucking fantastic now does would it look great in movement on screen can't say who knows yeah but i mean i if 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 i'm just going by what else i'm seeing as far as like you know what the still suits look like what the you know atreides uh familial garb looks like um what we've seen of the harkonnen so far i'm optimistic Um, yeah i think it looks really cool you know, I think that shot of them descending was was just rad. And I think given the way everything else looks so far, it's kind of like, thank God the suits are white because they'll stand out more. Yeah. Whereas everything true. else, you know, I, I know you had issues with the, the, the overall palette of the uh, the trailer. But um, I, I do hope that changes a little bit. I, I hope you we get some more like kind of golden hues towards the, you know, end of yeah. the Yeah. You know, I think the film. it's like every iteration of Dune has gotten more and more subdued. Like if, especially like all of Mobius's stuff is so fucking out there and so right. French sci-fi, you know, 
very bejeweled and bedazzled. Um, I don't know. Maybe that you know. Maybe there is a little bit of that energy uh, around the bend for us. We'll see. But remember, like, I mean, it's been years since I read the book. But right after I read the book and I was talking to you about it, like, I had a whole different image in my head of what the yes. still suits looked like compared to what the David Lynch suits looked like. And like, yeah. I've come to have great, you know, admiration for those for all the costumes in the Lynch movies. I like it so much, but um, a lot of it was not how I saw anything when I was reading the book. And, um, you know, I, I, I think there's truth in that. I think that, that actually Lynch took it in a very Gothic uh, Avenue, you know, mm -hmm. sort of pre Tim Burton cinematic Gothic uh, look. Cause yeah, yeah the, is, the, you know, even more courageous the is, consider they were thinking this was going to be like a star Wars type deal, you know, and that yeah. is not the direction he seemed to want to take it at all. No. And it, I, I might be misremembering, but I recall like the book is pretty vivid in its descriptions of costumes and, you know, sets oh, yeah, and spreads yeah. of food and stuff. It, it, it feels like a very colorful sort of place. So you know, one of those interesting things. Yeah, I have every intention of rereading it before seeing this next film. Yeah. And maybe taking and some more notes and maybe doing some of my own illustrations to kind of give myself, you know, I think that could be, you know, maybe me, you and Bandle could revisit that Dune uh, zine idea. And that'll be yeah, our, hell yeah. our before and after seeing the new film. <laughs> have you spoken to him at all about his thoughts on this? Because I remember he was very no. sketchy about some of the you know uh, what? I should. we saw. I should absolutely reach out. I'm very curious what he's going to say. Uh, the the last thing I want to touch on in the trailer, and I don't know if you picked up on this or you feel this way at all. I, I think I mentioned this in text, but I, it felt like, and this is probably smart money play, like they're really, they're trying to appeal to more people other than just us Dune. Mm -hmm. Dune heads? I don't know. Oh, is, <laughs> that, is, that, is that what you meant when uh, in the text with the, like the four quadrant things? Yeah, and, and I think that they are putting front and center, at least in this trailer. I don't know if, you know, that'll be all the marketing, but, you know, they're sort of teen heartthrob and Zendaya and their relationship. And, you know, I think that's that's probably like a safe way to do this. I'm sure, sure like my nieces will be very intrigued and may want to see this film. Um, and I wonder if that's almost a reaction to Blade Runner you know, the filmmaker's previous film and how incredibly niche that film was, you know, that was just made for me and you and, you know, yeah. our really no appeal for other people, no consideration for other people. Sure. Yeah. So I don't you, know. Because, up, I mean, if you, you look up at, on that vibe at all, I, I did, but I guess I didn't see it as being any departure at all from what would have been, you know, the same vibe of, of, when did the first movie come out? 82, 83? Like, that era, Kyle MacLachlan, and that era, uh, Sean. Yeah. Kind of the same thing, you know, as these two sure. you know, young, good-looking actors that everyone liked. And, you're, you know, I, I don't, I haven't seen a lot of the trailers. I haven't, like, gone back, like, on YouTube or anything to see how they were marking that. But, I mean, I have to imagine. And, and that was fairly central to the, the story, even in, um, even in Lynch's film. Yeah, but I just wanted to be focused on uh, Jameis's wife. You know, that's the real story. <laughs> yeah. I can't even remember her name. She gets, you know, she just gets whitewashed. It's really right. sad. Um, so I, I guess, like, overall, I, I sort of agree with you with the music cue. I understand why they did it, but it, did, it 
it took me out of it. Like it, it yeah. As soon as I, mean, I recognized the song, I was like, Ugh. yeah, kind of weird. Uh, yeah. But I, you know, I'm very excited for this movie. The trailer, I do not feel disillusioned by the trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, I just sort of, I'm very curious how these elements will sort of roll out. Um, yeah. And I, 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 you know, there was nothing in there that was discouraging. I, I would say that much. I wouldn't say so either. And I mean, I think like the, the cinematography was one thing I was really excited for. And I think that uh, sort of, uh, you know, confirmed itself. I was, you know, just from what we saw in that trailer, I'm, 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 yeah. I'm very confident this would be a very pretty movie, uh, at least, you know, to my taste. Um, no question. And I, I, I guess we saw, an, you know, we didn't see very much like character, anything from anyone, you know, it was right. just a lot of like people looking very, Curse, it's a camera, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> which is fine. But I mean, we did see enough of Timothy's version of Paul that I was, you know, you you know, I had pretty severe concerns about his casting. Absolutely, uh, just because I'd never seen him, you know, I had no idea who he was. But I did, I did get that he kind of had the aesthetic of the kid. Um, he sort of has that like Paul look for sure, right? Uh, but just a little bit of his performance, we were able to see in the trailer, like really kind of turn me around on him and I'm, and I'm excited to yes. see what he does with it. Um, and I, you know, I only, it's pathetic, but I only know Zendaya from the Spider-Man movie and I've only oh, seen yeah. one of those. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, she was, she was fun in that, but I don't remember, you know, even Sean Young having a whole lot to do as Johnny in the original. So I don't know, um, you know, what we'll see in this one, but, but I, I am excited for it. Yeah. I think, um, I forget what I watched where I was like, oh, okay, no, Timothy is actually, this guy's, he's got chops. He's a, he's a good actor. I think he I told think, me something about that. It was like a Western or something with like Christian Bale and he was like a kid in it or something, but I remember oh, bringing up that movie. What fuck movie was that? Um, yeah, I think I watched it on a plane. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hostels? I think it was called Hostels. And it was like a really pretty, pretty brutal Western and he was in it and I was like, Oh shit, this guy's a good actor. Um but uh yeah, like I think actually he's he's pretty good for Paul. You know, mm-hmm. he looks he he in motion, yeah, that's Paul to me. I thought that super smart move doing you know the uh the uh Jam Gabar scene in the trailer. Oh, like yeah, that's yeah. That's crucial. And he tension gives you an idea that he's you know yeah, I mean, he pushed hit, into something he, he may not want to do. He hit those notes perfectly. I was like, "Oh shit, yes!" Like, okay, got it, good. Um, I I've always sort of thought that the <laughs> I, this is so bizarre, but I always feel like when the second half of the story opens up, Paul has to have a beard, and I thought that <laughs> that was a huge failing on Lynch, and I don't think the sci-fi movie Paul has a beard either, but. If he's truly integrated with the Fremen, doesn't that make sense? Or am I just off on my own weird fixation? Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose it could, you know, that he would, he would, you know, not shave anymore. But I mean, I think there's also, you know, sort of an assumption in the books that he's pretty young when they get to Arrakis. Right. And so he's pretty young at the end of the book as well, because the, the first book, I don't remember. It's, again, it's been like 10 years, but I don't remember yeah. it spanning a huge amount of time. Um, it's, it's like the, the, jump to the next book, I think there's a bit of a leap, but I think there's a little bit of a time, time span from 
the from the Janus incident to you know the sort of reconciliation, let's say, without spoiling mm-hmm. anything. Um, but yeah. I, I guess I, I'm I've been fixated on this because, and maybe this isn't in the book, and maybe it's not in this film, but because because oh, this is a fucking spoiler, guys. Spoiler for a book that's been out for forty years. Um, <laughs> because Jessica shaves her head when she becomes the Reverend Mother, so she she's taking on. The hairstyle, I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, my, my point only is that I think even at the end of the book, even if we're, we're, we're assuming everything's taken quite a while, I still don't see Paul as even being 20 years old yet. Yeah. That. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that, like not ever, you know, you and I certainly were not growing these lush beards at 19 years old. So no, but uh, you know, you, you win a wife and her two kids and yeah, you're, you should grow a beard. Right. Even if it's three little wispy mustache hairs, he wants to get <laughs> End of the I, movies, you look like Siba Jack. Is that really what you want? That's what I'm. That's what I'm going. <laughs> uh, okay. So anyway, that's the trailer. the uh, The final sort of area I want to tackle here, because I got this this uh, message today from a Squire of the Slice, and he said, "What do I want to read the book? What do I do?" So mm. I thought we could outline what the necessary things to consume prior to seeing this film are, and for me. Uh, uh, there's like four things. Okay. One is Yardovsky's Dune, and I would actually start there. It's a fantastic documentary. You would, you would start with that before the book? I would start with that, yeah. Absolutely. Um, because also, like, his... his He never read Dune. It's it's in, you know, it's in contention whether or not he actually ever oh, read sure, Dune. sure, 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 yeah. So it's enough <laughs> detached... Um, that I don't think it spoils anything. And also the weirder and more religious aspects of the book are not lost on Yordovsky. And if anything, he sort of ratchets that stuff up. So I think it's a good Mm -hmm. primer because Dune is ultimately a really fucking weird religious sort of book series, you know? Yeah. It's not super easy reading either. No first pickup. Like it takes a little while. I think it took me a couple of tries to like really get into it. And then when I finally like, knock through that first 50 or 60 pages, it kind of clicked. Yes, it is a slow burn. And and that that is definitely step two. You should read Dune. And I actually, you know, I would encourage you to read the second book, which I think is the best book. And then how does it, how's it go? It's Dune, Children of Dune? No. Yeah, Dune, I only Dune ever Messiah. got to the second book. I never made it to, the, I think, I think Dune Messiah, I think is the third book. Yeah, and then I, God Emperor. I started, Dune. but never quite made it all the way through. Yeah, the the first three books are crucial, and then there's a huge time jump to God Emperor Doom. If I, I correct me if I'm wrong, audience, is that when Brian's taken over? No, it was still it was still Frank, um, but it's there's a huge time jump, and it is sort of I don't want to say it's unrecognizable to the first three <laughs> books, but it it's it's very very different. Um, sure. But, uh, you know, the first book is really fantastic. This movie will cut that in half, and there's sort of a perfect, you know, intermission point in the book. So that mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, I highly recommend the second book. The third book is really good, too, but it does sort of bring, uh, you know, it, many characters come to the end of their arc. And so it feels differently. <laughs> um, yeah. And I would say, yeah, like the. This is a tome. This is, you know, 
Frank Herbert was sort of a planetologist in a way, and there's a lot of long descriptions of sand dunes and ecology and, and things like that. You know, it's, it's almost like Moby Dick in that respect. Like there's a lot of detail about ecology and, you know, the world surrounding these characters. And it does take a very long time to feel engaged with it. And there are a lot of characters you have to meet and follow around. There's a lot that won't be in the film that there's just not enough time to sort of tackle, but it is highly rewarding and it sort of all, for me, it, it really, it pays dividends when you get to the second book and, you know, it's, it's just like, it's a journey really. Yeah. So, the world opens up a lot too in the second book. And like, you know, there's a, you know, you get some like planet hopping kind of in the first book to a degree yeah. and you get an idea that the, the universe is vast and there is, you know, a lot of active parties, but like, I feel like the, the whole thing kind of opened up for me a lot more in the second book. Yeah, for sure. So and, I, I, um, if you can get through the first book, definitely, definitely keep going. Um, but I know, you know, even the first book can be a, a big ask for a lot of people. It's a slog, yeah. Um, also, I think there is, I think Frank Herbert narrates the audio version, or at least oh, did cool. one of them. So that's a really, you know, that's a good way to kind of digest this. I think it, I have listened to it in audiobook as well. And, um, you know, if you're not a reader and you don't like to read intently, um, it's good. You can kind of have it on in the background because there is, you know, there is great action, but there's a lot of stuff that is not action at all. Yeah, yeah. It's just like space politics and things like that. So not a terrible book for the audio form because you don't really have to be paying intrinsic attention to every single thing, you know. For sure. Um. So well, the yeah, I would add to that, I guess, would yeah. be if there's if, if all of that sounds like too much, if the, if the reading an entire novel sounds like too much, Bill Sienkiewicz did a really great adaptation Ooh, yeah. of the David Lynch film in uh, Marvel Super Special number 36. You can usually yeah. find that pretty cheap, you know, five or ten bucks, magazine-sized comic adaptation of the David yeah, Lynch yeah, movie. Yeah, fantastic that. art. And you yeah. get your bullet points, you know, and you can read that in 20 minutes. And at least you have some knowledge of the world going into it, but... You know, you could do a lot worse than that. I think that's great. That I didn't even think of that one. And and it, I think he was working from film cells, or at least had really, really good reference. So it does mm -hmm. look uh, a lot like that. Um, so I would say watch Yordovsky, then attempt to read the book or do an audio book. You can do these things simultaneously. I think that's fine. Then you absolutely got to watch the Lynch film. You know, I'm a defender yeah. of it. It is... Not a a good film. I mean, it's a the, confusing movie, though. If you've not read the book, that's my only yes. caveat to the to, to introducing anyone to that movie is if you haven't read. Don't the book, start at Lynch. Don't start. It doesn't make a whole. Lot. It's like telling someone like, "Oh, don't bother reading Watchmen. Just watch the Zack Snyder movie." Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like, the, it, okay, there's some cool moments in that Zack Snyder movie, but overall, yeah, nothing in that movie makes any sense if you haven't read the comic. And if you've read the comic, it'll probably just make you angry most of the time. And, and the Lynch film is confounding. Not for the source material, but for Lynch's own embellishments that were not in the source material. Truly, truly bizarre <laughs> choices. That, that I mean, Dune itself is very bizarre, very strange, very abject, yes. and is mind-bending in, in certain aspects. You add Lynch to that, and it becomes just this 
parade of nightmares. It's, <laughs> it's like, true. It's it's a funny choice for a director when like it didn't work out with Yadorowski and that was too weird. They're yeah. Like, well, let's mainstream this a little bit more. And, and I I think that actually the biggest failing of the Lynch film is not the weirdness and not the director. It's just that he was unable to steer his weirdness to the end of the film. There's a very sort of cookie cutter ending. He was locked out of the final edit. He took his name off of the film. You know, he's disavowed it. And there is, there's this turn in probably the last quarter of the film towards, okay, we got to wrap this up right away. And it's got to be a Hollywood ending. And I think that that's, Ultimately, for me, the biggest failing of the movie is like he just couldn't maintain that fucking weirdness, this this acid trip that he's sort of taking us on. Mm-hmm. And and so it becomes very disjointed and, you know, even more sort of out of whack. Yeah, it's another one where, you, you know, you wonder what could have happened if everything could have gone right. And, you know, Lynch could have made the film he wanted to make and edit it the way he wanted to edit it. Um but that's not what happened. And that's a, that's a legitimate concern for this next film as well, because you brought it up earlier that like any box office hopes this thing had are in yeah. very great jeopardy. Yeah. Um, and as we've seen from many other <clears throat> Warner Brothers properties, they are not afraid to go back and do massive reshoots right before a movie comes out, whether it's for better or worse. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm concerned about that for sure. I would hate I, to I, like, I you think... know what? Sequel's not going to yeah. get made at the end. The sandworms all kiss, and uh, yeah, yeah, everybody goes home happy. And these little and they hold up a, a BLM banner, yeah, <laughs> just right at the end. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I feel, I feel confident at least that Villeneuve will have the the final edit, right? Because he is an auteur. I, I, mm-hmm. I can't just in every interview I've seen with him, you know. It, it seems to me like his contracts are pretty locked tight that it's his film and he's sort of, you know, he's turning it over to the studios to distribute. Yeah, and I'm sure Warner Brothers didn't like, I don't think that this property was, you know, an absolute must win for them the way Batman is a must win for them or the way, right. you know, some of these yeah. other big temple franchises. I think they can afford a little bit of like, well, we'll see how this Doom thing works out. We'll give yeah. it to this guy. He did. He did also, pretty right with Blade Runner, or Blade Runner. I don't feel like Blade Runner was meddled with. It, it feels pretty pure to, you know, what I imagine, you know, is their sort of vision for the film. I know that yeah, the, I think so. the, in reading the oral history of it, I know that the one point of contention was the subtitle. That was the one thing that the Warner Brothers were fighting with them constantly. They wanted it to be like, something ter- like Unicorn Fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they yeah, Blade Runner. There's all there's this great oral history um, of one of the producers. She like wrote every day in her journal about the the making of the film, and that's the only thing that I gleaned from reading that big long article was that the the one point of contention was just that you know they wanted like a snappy sort of subtitle, and it went back and forth, and they had all these different names, and then finally settled on you know. But so I mean, it works so well with Batman versus Superman. Why would they not? Yeah. BVS. Um, so the final thing I would say, <laughs> uh, sorry, two more things. So you then also have the option for the sci-fi miniseries. And I don't know how much you dove into that. Nothing at all. I've never, okay. I've never seen the sci-fi miniseries. So I attempted to get through these 
quite a few years ago when Netflix was sort of still shipping DVDs. Um, it's pretty fucking bad. It's pretty bad. It's, it's very low budget. Um, they filmed in, I, I want to say Albania and <laughs> there are a lot of Eastern European people just the way that like the empire like spaghetti and Western was, kind of vibe. Yeah. It's like, these are all clearly locals. The same way that, you know, this, this galaxy spanning empire in star Wars is all British guys in their sixties. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so too is this sci-fi series. Um, it's, it's pretty bad and it's, I can't really recommend it. Supposedly. I think that they actually, they sort of skip. And then the next miniseries was children of Dune. And supposedly that's pretty good. I only watched like one or two episodes of it. And I wasn't really feeling it. People swear that the Children of Dune sci-fi miniseries is actually pretty damn good and, and worth the watch. I only, you know, dipped a toe and I, sure. I found sure. all of them to be, you know, relatively unpalatable. Also, the Fremen are wearing <laughs> like medical smocks. They're wearing like green. Oh, like that okay. Teal, teal so green. somewhere on the desert planet, they found some, some plants to make dye with and they were able to dye. Yeah, their, I don't know. Their hand woven clothing, which also traps all their body water. Yeah. So if you, I mean, I think the Lynch film will probably break most people's minds. And if you really wanted to be a sadist, I think you could then go on to the sci-fi films. But what I would actually recommend instead is my final point here. Uh, just watch the other Denny Villeneuve films because they're all fucking great. I haven't yeah, seen all. You're of not them. gonna do. You're not gonna do wrong. I mean, you can. Whether well, it's Blade Runner, Sicario, Enemy, yeah, there's a couple others that I'm forgetting. But oh, Arrival. He did that one too, didn't he? Arrival, fantastic. Um, I actually, you know, I like uh, the sequel to Sicario too. I know it oh, wasn't. Really? Was it, it wasn't. Him or did somebody else do it? No. Uh, um, I might be misremembering this, but I think the writer directed it. Well, maybe. Yeah. Not not as good, but a pretty solid sequel Still as far cool. as those go. Um, and just seeing, you know, fucking, just seeing, uh, what's his name? Del Toro? Oh, uh, yeah, Benicio Del Toro. He'll flip you. Benicio, thank you. Seeing him just fucking be a boss is, you know, you could do that all day long. He's great. Now. Well, he was, our, he was our number one draft pick for Stilgar as well. That's right, we but really wanted. We were we did some amazing fan casting of this film as soon as we heard. Yes, I keep I'm gonna butcher this guy's name. We weren't that far off. No, we were pretty close. I mean, Javier Bardem is just a different hemispheres version of Benicio del Toro. Sure, I think we hit it on the head with uh, Josh Brolin. Um, yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. And then, but I did want um, I wanted Patrick Stewart as the Emperor. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Or even got to finish Picard. Everybody Even Kyle McLaughlin as the emperor, but I, I guess you don't want any of that baggage, you know. Right, right. You want to get far away from that for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I I would reiterate, Enemy is a really, really like captivating film. It's not a yeah. perfect film by any stretch. It doesn't answer any questions. You know, it's very open ended, but uh, really tight, really interesting film. And then I, I would say absolutely mandatory. You do have to watch Blade Runner twenty forty nine because I think the the visual language of Villeneuve really comes into bloom with that film, and 
you know, I, I think that there are, there's going to be a lot of parallels in Dune with Blade Runner 2049. Oh, for sure. And uh, other than that, I mean, there's a couple pop-up books you could read. <laughs> I don't know. You've got that Gurney Halleck uh, prototype for sale? I do, yeah. Hit me up. It's, uh, it's got a, a likeness, a Captain Picard. Um, but yeah, I think that that's, uh, those are my points. That's what I, I, I want to extend to the curious Dune reader who might want to uh, put their bare feet into the sand, if you know what I mean. But I mean, it's only September now. You people have three months to read this book. Yeah, I, more I, than I enough really time. implore you to put, stop buying these action figures. Just well, no, no maybe. more action. It's 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 a final maybe just final might. call. <laughs> maybe just might. Uh, also, <laughs> there's not a ton of it, but uh, a really something I've really enjoyed in the Dune mythos is Paul Pope's work. Uh, he's depicted the world of Arrakis a few times. I don't know that yeah, he's dude. That done piece he did is like insane. Just yeah, he doesn't really do anything wrong. I mean, yeah, kind of knocks everything out of the park. But uh, just like nice little images to kind of accompany you on this journey. I think he more than any other artist, he's really like I, he's just nailed like what I think that universe is like. Yeah, you could get a pretty solid primer by going to like a you know a Pinterest or a Tumblr and just searching Dune. Yeah, and just looking at all the cool shit that pops up there because you'll get a you'll get a pretty good sampling. There, yeah, there's there's a ton of fan art, and I assume you know there's going to be a ton more coming down the pipeline. It's almost like you know I feel like we're at that tipping point where Star Wars became ubiquitous. You know, if you think of like the mm-hmm. early '90s where it was just me, you, and a couple other people that were reading the Timothy Zahn novels and now flash forward. It's like yeah. on billboards everywhere. Um, you know, this is like Grand the last Admiral Thrawn was a real thing. And we, all yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this is the, this is like the, the last moment before, you know, this reaches a bigger global consciousness or not. Right. It could totally regress back into the, yeah, that's my only concern is this, this current global climate is not conducive to uh, a new film property taking off. So yeah. uh, I'm, I'm worried about my, my, my favorite sci-fi property, not getting its due, but you know, worst case scenario, even if we only get this one movie, I think that's still a win. Absolutely. Uh, Even, you know, maybe, you know, if it does well enough on demand and it broadens the audience enough and, you know, we've gotten to a point in the world where, where studio executives actually look at social media and see what people are sharing and what people are excited about. And uh, yeah. even if the box office numbers aren't there, maybe uh, a more grassroots campaign can keep it going. I just I, I want to I want them to get to movie three, book two. I want my yep. boy Duncan to, uh, you know, have his his uh, second character arc and then all. Of yeah. Uh, well, cool. That's a that's a great place to leave it. Thank you for uh, being the co-pilot of my ornithopter. Ornithopter, yeah, very good. Yeah. Very good. Um, all right, yeah, that's everything. That's doing. Thank you, man. Awesome, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, pizza out. Pizza out. <laughs>